0: Good morning. Thankful that we get to go over this passage today. Uh, You know, the feeding of the 5,000 is mentioned in all four gospel accounts. It's pretty important. I guess God repeated it four times. It's something we need to study and think on. Uh, You've probably all heard a a message on it before. Uh, So... As we go through it, you might be thinking, well, I've heard this. Let's see, Let's see if there's something new. Well, I, I, the cool thing about the Word of God is it's living and active and sharper than any 2 edged sword. Sure, it pierces right to the soul. Uh, as I studied this this week, it was just profound and uh, very, very thankful for how the Lord works in our lives and through the Word of God to show us His glory and remind us of who He is Matthew, the gospel writer that we are focused on primarily, is thematically developing the the contrast between the rejecters of Jesus and the receivers of Jesus. Those who believed in Jesus and those who did not believe in Jesus. Those who were deceived and were deceiving versus the disciples who followed Jesus and believed in Him. Matthew shows how Jesus continued to reveal His glory to His followers, the disciples, but Jesus then intentionally avoided revealing Himself to the proud rejectors of Jesus. The Pharisees were given parables. Jesus' hometown was not shown His glory as we saw in Nazareth, but Jesus' disciples were explained the parables in private, and they were shown His glory in miracles and explained Many extra things that he did in, in seclusion and showed them. So there's this contrast of themes, the believers and the unbelievers, the receivers and the rejecters. There was a lack of faith that revealed itself in the rejection of Jesus. We've seen this throughout Matthew, but especially since that turn when, he said, when they said he does these miracles by Beelzebub. Jesus condemned their lack of faith with these parables, and he avoided them and confronted them. And confronts them again, we'll see next chapter. Yet Jesus' disciples believed, but their faith was weak at best. They had little faith, as it will be repeated numerous times. But the Lord continued to build their faith by giving them glimpses of his glory, showing his glory to them. And reminding them of who he is. And that they should trust him and believe in him. Jesus gave truth and revealed truth to those who had ears to hear. But Jesus gave judgment and gave parables to those who had rejected him. Today, Jesus feeds the followers. Those that followed after him. And we'll see next week, he reveals himself on the sea as he walks on water. Then he heals the sick and gives the disciples understanding of the real source of the problem. And ultimately what we're going to see is in Matthew 13, remember in Matthew 13, 51, after explaining explaining things, have you understood all these things, they said to him, yes, and he's going to show them that no, you really don't get it all. They had faith, but as we'll see, they had little faith. You of little faith, notice in 1431 it says, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Talking to Peter when he starts to sink. We'll talk about that next week. And then in 1516, look at Matthew 1516. He states, Peter said to him in 1515, Explain the parable to us. And Jesus said, Are you still lacking understanding also? In other words, you don't really get it? Then look at 16.7. In Matthew 16.7. They began to discuss among themselves, saying, He said this because we did not bring any bread. But then Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? And we'll talk about this further as we go along in the message. We will see true faith followers don't always have strong faith and rich faith. Little faith is what they have and they need their faith to grow. And in order for that to happen they must humbly recognize Him and know His glory. And as they understand His glory more they then trust Him more and they develop in their walk with Him. This is when the Lord steps in and reveals His glory. We understand this, and you need to get this. This is arguably the, you could title the message this instead, I can't, but He can. I can't, but He can. As we see, He is glorious. Jesus is great. He is worthy of following. We've seen this throughout Matthew, haven't we? This gets mind-blowing, though, when we realize that God brings us, and this is important and a very important concept for us to think on, God brings us to the end of ourselves in order to bring about this humility in our hearts so that He can reveal Himself to us. This is super, super important. God brings us to the end of ourselves in order to bring about the humility in our hearts so that He can reveal Himself to us. You're not going to get the glory of Christ if you think much of yourself. And in order for that to happen, you have to be brought to the end of yourself. And when you're at the end of yourself, then he says, look at me. And you go, I believe. That's what it's all about. This is the message. You're going to see this repeated over and over and over throughout Matthew. At times I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record. But it'll be good, I promise remember last time or, or first but for the proud rejectors in light of that it, those that receive him get a glimpse of his glory and then believe but for the proud rejectors Jesus withdraws from them and hides himself from them notice again in Matthew 1413 look at Matthew 14 13 now when Jesus heard about John he withdrew from there about a in a boat to a secluded place by himself, and when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. I love that Steve was listening last week. Did you catch that? Steve Couture was listening last week as he read the passage. He read it this way. He said, "Now when Jesus heard it, he withdrew from there in a boat." Steve, was that intentional? Where are you at? Where are you at? Was that intentional? Okay, he was listening. Praise the Lord. Remember I talked to you last week about about Jesus. If you have the New American Standard Bible, it has it about Jesus and it's in italics. Well, that's because it's not in the text. And they're thinking that they're helping us to understand a little bit better the text by putting that in there. You can tell that that is not part of the original, though, because it was added by the translators. New King James and the King James Version say, "...of it." Now when Jesus heard of it, which that would be a little bit closer, or ESV says, adds this. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there. What's his point? Which one is it? What's it about? Should about John be there? No, about John shouldn't be there. The reason being is is that that Matthew started in 14, 1 and 2 with what causes Jesus to leave the area. If you look at 14, 1 and 2, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the news about Jesus. And he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist, he has risen from the dead. And that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Verses 3 to 12, he explains the death of John the Baptist. But in 14, 1 and 2, that was the reason Jesus left. Verse 13, not hearing about Jesus, John the Baptist's death. John the Baptist's death. He left because Herod was saying he was doing this. He was John the Baptist resurrected. That's unbelief. Rejection of Jesus. A misidentification of Jesus. And so what does Jesus do? He leaves the area. He leaves the area because of unbelief and rejection. This is very important. Herod was one of the rejectors, along with the Pharisees. And what Jesus did for the Pharisees, he gave them parables. What did he do for Herod? He left his area. He left the area. No revelation of God for you. Ultimately, because he had rejected him. Jesus heard that Herod thought this. That is, that, that Jesus was the resurrected John. And Jesus left the area, hiding himself from the proud and unrepentant herod so when we pick up in verse 13 now when jesus heard this it that herod had said that he was john the baptist resurrected he left the area that's the point as a as a as a, a judgment on pharaoh or on herod rather again proud rejection so jesus hides himself notice it says he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. So where is this? Well, Luke 9 says, Luke 9, 10 states that it was Bethsaida. Guess what I got back? Ooh, isn't that nice? I got it. Now you're going to see how shaky my hands are, though. (laughs) No, okay. So right here, we're over in Nazareth. He was in Nazareth. He comes over. This area here, ah, no. Why did that happen? Okay, there we go. I've got to be careful how hard I push. Okay, so this area right there is Herod Tetrarch or Antipas. And this is his area too. Remember we talked about that last week? Okay. Well, here, Jesus gets in a boat probably around in this area. I'm shaking up. Come on. And he goes to this area. Now, see, this is a different color. Yes, I had to ask my daughter. What the colors were, because my col- I'm a little bit colorblind. If y'all didn't know that, which one is this one? Did you? Can you see this, beloved? Do y'all see that? There's two different colors right there. I can't see that. She said, "Do you see the other colors here? I was like, "No, I can't see that." Really? She, yeah. So I found my color. There it is, right there. I can't see it. Can't see the difference. Needless to say, long story short, guess whose area this is, right here. That's Philip's. That's his brother, Herod the Tetrarch. Remember, he stole his wife, took his wife. So where does Jesus go? He goes to Bethsaida, which is in Philip's area, the other ruler. Wouldn't that all make sense in context now? He flees. He goes away from Herod, who had rejected him, and had pointed him out as the wrong one, and he goes to a different area. He goes to a secluded area over in Philip's, his Herod's brother's area. This location makes perfect sense, and this would be just like Jesus. He would hide himself from those that had rejected him, who had killed the forerunner, and now I'm going over to a different area. Now, he'll make his way back, but the point is is that this time he moved with that action in mind. This brings us to the events of our passage today. So, Jesus is over in Bethsaida over in Basseida on that side of the lake. And we learn here that Jesus reveals his glory again to his disciples to increase their faith in him. With a passage like this, we can often turn the passage on its head if we're not careful. And I want you to listen very careful. The feeding of the 5,000 is not primarily about going out into your community and feeding the hungry. That's not really the main point of the passage. Do you understand that? When Jesus feeds the 5,000, that's not the main point. Go feed the hungry people. Now, can we feed hungry people? Yes. Is it kind to feed hungry people? Yes. But that's not the main point of this passage. You must understand that. The main point of the events was not even to reveal the glory of Jesus to the crowd either. And you say... Well, yeah, wasn't the crowd aware of it? And we'll get to that in a little while. Yes, they were aware of it at the end. But ultimately, it wasn't for the crowd. Because after all, you read John chapter 6, you find out in John chapter 6 that the crowd follows after him for the food. And he then says, eat my body and drink my flesh. And what does that make him do? Run for the hills. So ultimately, the feeding of the 5,000 wasn't necessarily primarily... For the 5,000 either. However, the main primary purpose of the miracle was to reveal the glory of the Messiah to his disciples. To his disciples. In order to increase their understanding of him so that they would believe. And by extension, it's to reveal the glory of God to us. To reveal the glory of Christ to us so that we will believe also. It's interesting, again, that all four Gospels have this account. So I think it's a faith builder, and I think all of us should know it, and all of us should study it, and all of us should delight in the glory of Christ that's revealed here. These two events, the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on water, are all recorded, and they are excellent for us to understand. These two events are crucial. Let's read it again. Matthew 14, 13. Now, when Jesus heard about John, or it that John, he was saying that he was John the Baptist, "...he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself, and when the people heard this, they followed him on foot from the city. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, "'This place is desolate, and the hour is already late. So send the crowds away, that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves.' But Jesus said to them, "'They do not need to go away,' You, yourself, give them something to eat. They said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. Ordering the people to sit down on the ground, he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowd, and they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets. They were about 5,000 men who ate besides women and children. We see here Jesus was pursued on foot by the people, right? He leaves the area, goes to leave the area, gets on a boat and goes over. The disciples had gone with Jesus by boat, but the people had followed around the lake. They had illnesses. They had needs. They had A desire for a king. They wanted somebody that would lead them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They obviously heard Jesus about him and they had hope in him. And so they were bringing the the hurting, the lost, the desperate to him to heal him. So they followed him around the lake and met him when he got off the boat in Philip's territory. So ultimately somewhere Jesus gets on a boat and he goes over to Bethsaida, which is over here, and probably goes south of here, down to here. What happens? As he leaves, all the people follow him. And all these cities along the way, there's cities along the way, that he would have picked up people, all the crowds going around the lake and following him down here. As John's account states, as they get off the boat, the crowd's walking up. They're walking down this way. He gets off the boat, and they're all walking up to see him. So there's this giant crowd of people that are following Jesus to get help. Immediately, once again, we see the glory of Jesus shining forth as he gets off the boat. Jesus saw the crowd, and in verse 14 it states, When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them, and healed their sick. There's the first revelation of his glory. It's shown he felt compassion for them. Jesus sees the needs of the people. He's aware of their infirmities. He's aware of their need of hope in the lost world. It's important to note that this compassion was upon arrival. As soon as he saw them, he saw their need. It wasn't that they were immediately hungry, by the way. And I don't think that his whole point was, Hey, these people are hungry. Let's feed them right away. It appears that it was an all-day process. He saw more important needs than just getting fed. His main thing was, is let's heal the sick, and that they needed a shepherd. They needed to know about him. He ministered to them all day, motivated by his compassion for them. That's good news, isn't it? Let's think about this for a second. I don't know about you guys, but there have been times in my life where I've struggled, and I was having a hard time, and no matter who I talked to, nobody understood. Anybody been there? Well, I know one that does understand. His name is Jesus. He's a compassionate Savior. He's the one we go to. He's the one that we should go to because He knows where our heart is. He knows our struggles. He knows what we need. He knows exactly what we need. And He's all we need. He will satisfy us. And He has compassion on us. If we look at the other accounts, we see Jesus... At the beginning, however, says something to Philip. Almost right after he gets off the boat, one of the disciples, Philip, is there. And Jesus, lifting up his eyes, notice, seeing the large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, here you go, listen closely. Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This is at the beginning, when they're first getting off the boat. It says, later on in the evening... He brings this subject back up. He mentions it to Philip right off the boat. Or they're right off. People are coming up. Philip's there. And he says, Where are we going to buy food for all these people? Very interesting. Notice what it says. This he, that is Jesus, was saying to test him. For he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for everyone to receive just a little. We got to have a lot of money if you want me to go to the local market. You're going to have to give me a whole bunch of money. Do you want me to leave now? What appears to happen though is that the subject gets dropped. Jesus doesn't talk to him any more about this. But you know who is talking? The disciples are talking. All day long, they're seeing all these people. They're watching this whole thing unfold. Jesus is healing them. Looking at there, they don't have watches, but watching the sun go down. Hey, when are you gonna send these people away? They gotta have been talking. They're like, hey, you know, he asked me how much food it would it cost. Yeah. He asked me about feeding these people. So it's building in them, isn't it? It's building in them this idea that we are in an absolute impossible crisis moment here. We got 5,000 men and there's a whole bunch of women and children here and they eat a lot. What am I going to do? What are we going to do? What was Jesus doing? He was building and building and building his case. What do you mean? Jesus knew what he was going to do. It says it. He knew what he was going to do. He was planning from the start to feed the (laughs) 5,000. But he also was testing his disciples at the same time. Now, I thought that God doesn't test us. Wait. Doesn't that what James says? God doesn't test us? But does God test us? Well, what what did He do with Abraham? Take your son, sacrifice him, and it says God tested. Wait, does He test or doesn't He test? Answer: Yes. He tests to show us that we need Him, but He doesn't test us to make us fall. He doesn't test us to make us fall into sin. He's not trying to tempt us to make us sin. But He does test us to cause us to look to Him and know that He's our hope and that we look nowhere else but Him. Do we go through circumstances like this? Absolutely. Does God do this to us all the time? Absolutely. I had one of those happen to me just last week. I know it sounds, y'all are going to think, oh, no big deal. Well, it is a big deal to me. We, we got a bill in the mail for property taxes for the church and the parsonage. $13,000. I looked at it and went, "Ha! Ah, that'll blow a budget. Where are we coming up with an extra $13,000? We were exact, exempt last year. What in the world? And everything in me went, I got to fix this. I got to fix this. I got to fix this. What do I do? Immediately I grabbed the phone, called... Hey, wait, we were exempt. What's this? Please hold. And you know how bureaucracy is. It was an all-day process. <laughs> Trying to figure out, wait, what do I do? What do I do? And they just fill out a couple forms and get it over here, and we should be okay. Okay, what forms? Give them to me. And they give me, I went in, took it to them, I said, here. Along the way, though, I stopped and I said, wait a second. God, you're in control. You know this. You knew this was going And here I am. I'm worried. I'm panicked. I'm frustrated. It's all there. Instead of just going to God, I was what? Worrying and fretting. Not being calm. And God... I need to trust Him. Pray and seek the Lord. Thank God we don't have to pay the $13,000. God's good, isn't He? We're exempt. That might not last, beloved. But God will give us the grace a different way one day, won't He? And either way, I should do what? Trust Him. So there was the full exposure of your uh, exposure of your pastor's heart. I'm like you guys. Things like this come into my life, just like the disciples, and they're probably were panicking, weren't they? And thinking, what's going on? So back to the account of Matthew. Look back over at Matthew. Notice how the events unfold. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and the hour is already late, so send the crowds away, that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. You think they've been talking about it? Oh, yeah, they've been talking about it. He had prepped him with Philip, but Philip had then gone to all the other disciples, and the disciples come to him unified. Hey, Jesus! And they give commands to the Lord. They give commands to the Lord. They say, send them away. Send the crowd away. Let them go get their own food. But Jesus said to them, and this is amazing, especially in Matthew's account here. Look what happens. He says, they do not need to go away. You yourself give them food. <laughs> that's, an, oh, that's an emphatic way. I looked it up with my Greek scholar over here. That's an emphatic way of saying give them food. It was double emphasize you yourself give him food. This is the climax of his test, isn't it? They've just hit the pinnacle. How? I can't do this. They were an impossible circumstance, weren't they? I get. The, I bet they were thinking something like this: We can't. You're crazy. We're in the proverbial boondocks, and we have no money, very little food, and no place to get any food. And Jesus then emphatically commands them, "You yourself give them food." Okay, impossible command. I talked to a couple of my a couple of our friends here in church, and they were we were talking about this yesterday, and they asked. Uh, they asked, well, why would he do it? Why would he command them to do this? Why is the command so hard? And I said, yeah, somewhat like that That command that be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Okay, did you know that's a command in the Bible that everybody in here, you spoke you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. How about this one? Be holy for I am holy. okay. There's the command. Be holy. Anybody holy last week? Perfect? Please, no raising of hands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. I love that command. But I also feel at times I fail miserably at that command. Am I the only one? Jesus here is setting the disciples up to show them his glory. That's the point. Jesus wants the disciples to look at him and say, this is what would have been the perfect answer. Okay, you give. he tells them, you give the food to them. Okay, where's the food? We'll start passing it out. We can't, buy, we can't, but we know you can. That should have been the response, right? We can't, but you can. This would have been a really good line. I mean, this would have been the knock it out of the park for, for Peter, if he would have said one of these. You know what? We're, we're just on the other side of the Jordan River, and didn't for 40 years, didn't you fade Israel with manna every day? You fed him every day with manna. All right, where's the manna? I've been wanting some manna.
1: Let's do it. I'll start passing it out. Let it rain.
0: That would have made sense, wouldn't it? Because he was the same God. Or how about this one? You made this whole planet in six days. I'm fairly sure you can handle making a lot of food. Where is it? And I'll start passing it out, Lord. I'll give it to them. But they don't respond that way, do they? How they respond, they say, they said to him, they said, we have only five loaves and two fish. We have only five loaves and two fish. Jesus wanted the tension. He wanted the moment. The crisis moment. He planned it. Remember, we know from John 6, He planned it. All this was a setup so that Jesus could show His disciples His glory. His glory. Oh, dear friends... This is the whole point of the feeding of the 5,000. It's not feed hungry people. It's not. It's not about trying to convince the crowd that he's the Messiah, even. Because they missed that. You'll see it in a little bit. It's not that. It's for the disciples. For the followers. To show them the glory of Christ so that their faith would increase. Just a little bit. What's impossible for man is possible for God. So trust Him, not yourself. That's the point. And this is biblical faith. This is faith. Faith, trust in Jesus, not ourselves. Commands from God are given to us, and they're meant to point us to what? Him. When He gives us a command... Don't return revile for revile. Do we look at those commands and go, that's impossible? I can't do that. It should be what? I can't do that, but
1: you can. I'm looking to you. Help me out. Give me grace. I can't do this, but you can. You did it. You did it at the cross for me. I can't, but you
0: can. I can't, but you can. That's what faith is. That's what biblical faith is. But let's be honest, beloved. Let's be real honest. Let's cut it right down. How many of you think this way during your normal days? During the average day when the crisis comes, what do we do?
1: I can. I can figure this out. I will make it work.
0: I can do this. Don't we do that? We don't fall on our knees and we, cry. we don't cry out to God and say, I can't, but you can. And you did. Commands are supposed to drive us to Christ. This is what being a follower of Jesus is all about. And you know the coolest thing about it? Is that God then shows His glory. He shows that He can. You know, this is the thing that makes the Christian faith so impossible, too. Because the world is always telling you, you can. You can do it. The Christian faith says what? You can't,
1: but he can. Now apply that to every part of your life, and
0: you've got it. What you eat today. How you do your job. Are, you, are parents in the room like me? There are times trying to parent children where you just feel like totally...
1: Ah, 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 I can't do this. How am I going to... Do this. This. I love this beautiful little viper. How am I going to raise this child to love you?
0: That exasperation that I'm telling you, you can tell it's real. It's real. And God says, yeah, that's exactly where I want you. Look up. Marriage works by God's power alone. Raising children works by God's power alone. Can you imagine? I can't imagine being in this world and trying to do these things without God. But God so good isn't he what's really neat though is guess who passes out the bread the disciples
1: he gave him a command
0: you give him the bread <laughs> and then he gave him the bread to give to the people Interesting, isn't it? Look at it. And he said, bring them here to me, ordering the people to sit down. You can just see his sovereignty, right? He walks in and says, okay, I've got this. Just let me take care of it. This is the only one that can get away with that. Just calm down. Listen to me. I've got this under control. That's only Jesus could say that. Bring them here to me, ordering the people to sit down in grass. He took five loaves and two fish, looking up toward heaven. He praised God, praised the Father, blessing the food, breaking the loaves. He gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowd, and they all ate and were satisfied. Hmm. This is all one big display of Jesus' glory. (laughs) Jesus pulls back the curtain on His glory and shows He is Lord God in the flesh. He's going to do it next week, too. And He commands them, bring them to Me. Ordering the people to sit down. Looking up to heaven. He's in complete control. And by the way, Jesus didn't just feed them a snack, did He? He fed them a full buffet of fish and loaves all you can eat there was lots of it they could eat as much as they wanted and they were all they all ate is what it says i love this phrase they all ate and were satisfied when jesus throws a banquet it's good there's leftovers lots of leftovers They were completely satisfied, everybody. And they collected 12 baskets full of leftovers. Jesus provided for the crowd and all they needed, and they were satisfied. And the disciples couldn't do this with five loaves and two fish, could they? So again, what's the point? Real simple, we can't, but he can. By the amazing grace of the Lord and the power of the glory of Jesus, we can't, but he can. They picked up what was left over, broken pieces, 12 baskets full. Yeah, I don't know about you, but at this point, I'm where, why didn't the disciples just fall on their face again? It's almost like it's not there completely. They still don't get it completely. 5,000 people. If you've ever tried to feed a bunch of people, you understand that this is this is intense, isn't it? Try to feed 5,000 men, not including women and children, with five loaves and two fish. Impossible! Unless you're Jesus. Because after all, he made the fish. I love that he does this three times in his ministry. He does it again, we'll see in a little bit, with 4,000. And then... He does it after his resurrection. He feeds a bunch of people too, the 12 disciples. When they went out fishing, remember, I'm going fishing. (laughs) They caught a whole bunch of fish after. And they get up on the shore and he's already had it cooked. He's got some cooked there too. Can Jesus cook some fish? Oh, yeah. (laughs) He can cook some fish. Man, can you imagine? I bet it's the best tasting fish ever. (laughs) I bet it was awesome. That was awesome uh, can you just see the i can just I can just picture as I think on this passage I can just th- see before the miracle's happening the disciples hold these two fish up <laughs> this is what we got! We had two fish, five loaves. Come on. The crowd knew though. Look at this. Look at over John. In John chapter 6, the crowd got it. To a degree, they got what had happened. It says, therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. That might be a reference to the Messiah reference in Deuteronomy, where it talks about the prophet to come. They could have been attributed in this to him, some of them at least. So Jesus perceived that they were... Now, here's where they, they obviously blow it. They perceived that they were intending to come and take him by force and make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now, what's the point? The crowd knew Jesus was something special, but they still didn't get it completely. Most of them didn't. The king is made... They want to make the king the king? Do you understand how crazy that sounds? Think about that for a second. We are going to by force make you the king. What is that? That's humanity actually being king. They're trying to be king over the king.
1: You'll become king when I say you're the king.
0: Which is what? Insane. He does a great miracle. What should have been their response? Fall on their face and say, what do you want us to do? You're the king. But instead, they try to make him king. Plotting. You can hear it. You can see the crowd. They're all, man, do you say that he just fed us with five loaves and two fish? Man, hey, let's make him the king. What do you say? Let's, let's force this. We can do it. We'll take him to Rome. Let's do it. Mm. But Jesus was the son of the living God. God incarnate. They should have fallen on their faces. But what's strange to me is the disciples' response isn't recorded. It doesn't say anything about what the disciples said. In all four accounts, very little is mentioned about the disciples. In fact, in fourteen Matthew 14, it says, Immediately when it's finished, the, he made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. So maybe, just maybe, the disciples didn't get much time to really contemplate it. But as they're out on that boat, do you think there was some conversation going on? Probably a little bit. Man, did you see what just happened? Were they
1: really getting it?
0: Well, look at Matthew 15. Look at Matthew 15. I know, y'all are like, what? What? Why are you doing this? I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead. Look at Matthew 15. Look, it's amazing. In Matthew 15, 32 it states, And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, This is another time with another crowd. There's 4,000 this time. Notice it's only one chapter later. It's not too long. You're talking months maybe. And said, I feel compassion for the people. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's just like what he had shown compassion before. Because they've remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Oh, look, the time expanded, didn't it? It went from a day of waiting to now we got three days. Because they've remained with me three days and have nothing to eat, and I do not want to send them away hungry, for they might faint on the way. Now look at this. This is shocking. This should be shocking. Isn't the setup the same? Isn't it? It's the exact same setup, isn't it? The disciples said to him, Where will we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a large crowd? Ah! And Jesus said to them,
1: How many loaves do you have? Seven and a few small
0: fish. What in the world is going on? Let me ask you a question. If you saw, don't answer out loud, whatever you do. If you saw Jesus feed 5,000 men, not including women and children, with five loaves and two fish, you saw it happen, and you were a part of it, and you spread out the food, would you think, next time we're hungry, I know who I'm going to. Next time there's a crowd, I know who I'm going to. Wouldn't you think that? Wouldn't you think that?
1: I would think that. Instead, they say
0: what? How are we going to feed all these people? (laughs) And then, yeah, 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 this is that moment where you start ducking. And you put the steel-toed boots on real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have gone straight to Jesus and asked him for help. Oh, really? Is that what you do when you face your trials and temptations and difficulties in your life? Who's the first one we go to? It ain't always Jesus, is it? Have we learned this perfectly? Oh, no, we haven't learned this perfectly. When our kids do something absolutely crazy and we go, Here I am again. I What do I do with this? I'm saying, Where do we go? This is a desolate, desolate place. All I have is seven fish or seven loaves and two fish. How many times have we said this in our life? I've said it a thousand times, maybe more. Honest. You too? One thing I learned from this message this week, more than anything else, is I don't even put faith in my faith. Did you hear me? I don't even trust my own faith. Because I don't trust the Lord as much as I should you of little faith who is the you of little faith that's me you say well you're the pastor you got to have big faith well you're at the wrong place then and I hate to tell you if you find a pastor that has a monster amount of faith you probably found Jesus because he's the only one that's that like that it's interesting. We'll see. Only the dogs have that kind of faith. Only the dogs have that kind of faith. We'll leave it there this week. What do you say? But i got to show you the last illustration. Because it's amazing. Look at this. This is what I got when I finished the sermon. I finished it. I was done. I was finished. I was finished. It was midnight. And I said, well, let me just check Facebook real quick and make sure no sheep are doing anything crazy. And I got this beautiful ad from limited edition
1: shopnowclothingstore.com. It says this, I need this shirt. Not. Keep calm and let Sprout handle it. Was the irony not overwhelming? I was like, whoa! And they sell these things. And they somehow have my name. And they think for some unknown reason, I would buy that.
0: They need to work on their programs that profile me because it shouldn't be that I think I'm able to be this. Because it should be What? This is what should be on my shirt. You ready? Keep calm and let Jesus handle it because Sprott can't handle it. That's the fact. Don't you love it when God gives you a beautiful little illustration from a pagan? Doesn't that make sense? So now let me ask you a question as we close. Do you think your name fits there? It doesn't. There's only one that can calm the sea, feed the 5,000, walk on water, do great things, and his name is Jesus. And we trust not in ourselves, but in him alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Christ Jesus, our Lord, the one who feeds the 5,000, the 4,000, the whole world, who made it all in six days, who came into the world to die to pay for sinners like me, to redeem us from the death that we deserve, to give us victory over sin and death. We can't, Lord. But you can. So we trust you. We pray this in his name. Amen.